Welcome to the official podcast for Dallas Startup Week, a five-day-long celebration building momentum and opportunity around entrepreneurship. Join us as we explore DFW's thriving startup community. Come together for one week as investors, marketers, and consumers showcase their ideas to find out if they have what it takes to become the next big thing in the business arena. Tune in as we bring you exclusive behind-the-scenes content from 2017's top speakers, influencers, and show organizers. The biggest events, the brightest startups, the Dallas Startup Week podcast on RNCN. And now, here are your hosts. Hello and welcome to the official Dallas Startup Week podcast. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Kristen Marin. And we are sitting, I'm excited to say this for the first time on the air, towering above downtown Dallas at the Chase Base Camp on the 19th floor of the Chase Building on 750 North St. Paul Street for one very important week, Dallas Startup Week. Kristen? And we're super excited to be here because it's finally happened, right? We've been building up to this event all year long and it's here and we're here and we're excited to be reporting on site everything that's going to be taking place this week. It's true. So let's talk a little bit about what's on schedule for us this week. Today we are stationed at Basecamp as Zach mentioned and we're looking forward to speaking to Paul Bettner, co-founder of Words with Friends. As a gamer, I'm genuinely excited to be able to sit down with Paul because he has done other things besides words with friends, including some PC games, Xbox, even a little bit of virtual reality, which is going to be super cool. Tomorrow, we're going to be on site for the Rotten Tomatoes founder. I know, Rotten Tomatoes. Patrick Lee gives a fireside chat, which I'm super excited about. And Wednesday evening, we'll be at the State of Entrepreneurship event at the Bomb Factory, taking part in the Fail, Learn, Grow event, which is going to be a lot of fun. Thursday, we'll be chatting with budding developers at the Game Developers Expo. Thursday evening, we'll be at the United Way 1UP Pitch Competition at the Bomb Factory, where one lucky entrepreneur will win $100,000. And all week long, we'll be talking to attendees, event coordinators, and community members about their experiences with Startup Week. And really, we want to encourage you guys to make connections, because that's what Startup Week is all about. So come and see us. Again, we are stationed at the Chase Base Camp building on the 19th floor. Come say hello, learn about podcasting, learn about the Dallas Startup Week podcast. And these are only a handful of the events here. There's over a hundred and there's a bunch of entrepreneurs walking around. And I got to be honest, these panels, sometimes it's hard to get a question in. So if you want to ask something, you want to know something, some kind of information that you couldn't get from the panel, good news you're in the right place. We'll be interviewing people all week about their experiences here, uh, whether it be speakers or entrepreneurs, and we're excited to get the inside scoop on everything we can. So go ahead and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on now, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. And you can find us by going to dallasstartupweek.com, click on the media tab. There you'll find a link to our podcast as well as the latest live stream. So you can keep up to date on any Facebook live content that we'll be streaming as our interview interviews take place. And last but not least, Dallas Startup Week is absolutely free. It costs nothing. It's five days. We're doing it all week. So if you get the opportunity, just come check it out. We're on the 19th floor and we'll be happy to talk to you. So for exclusive behind the scenes content that you won't find anywhere else, stay tuned all this week to the Dallas Startup Week podcast. Time to recharge. More from Dallas Startup Week 2017 coming up on the Real News Communications Network.
Welcome back to the Dallas Startup Week podcast, heard on RNCN. Welcome back to Dallas Startup Week. I'm Kristen Marin in with Zach Lewis, hey. Tim Vasquez, and we have a very special guest right now, Paul Bettner, the founder and CEO of Playful Corp. You may know him as the co-creator of the smash hit Words with Friends. Uh, him and his brother David founded New Toy. And prior to New Toy, Paul worked at Microsoft Game Studios where he helped create the blockbuster hits Halo Wars and Age of Empires. He's actually also a local from McKinney, Texas. So we're very excited to have him here to join us. And Paul, you just finished up a panel discussion in the AR VR track with which is a new track yeah. that was added this year to Dallas Startup Week. So tell us a little bit about your discussion and how that went. That was great. Uh, that was most had a lot of great questions um, and kind of talked through the journey that, that I've been on over the last uh, decade or so, going from um, kind of PC and Xbox gaming through to mobile gaming, which was a major departure from that, and then now to virtual reality the gaming, which is again a major departure. Mm -hmm. um, and we just kind of went over that. It was, it was good. It's really kind of interesting that you talked about virtual reality, that the growth, the expansion of that has just been phenomenal. And it, is that where you see things are going in the way of gaming? So I, I actually think that we're right at the beginning of that. You know, I. I was talking during the panel about how you know there were these moments actually at the beginning of Words with Friends after we had launched it where uh, we were struggling. We were you know we saw that we had users coming in and players that were enjoying it, but but the, the amount of the, the amount of the players we had at the time didn't seem like it'd be enough to sustain a business off of. But what we realized is we the beginning of that exponential curve always just looks linear. You know, it's, it looks like this flat kind of thing and. And that's the way all exponential curves look like until they hit that knee in the curve and then it gets really interesting. Well, virtual reality, despite what you mentioned, which is it has had great success, um, but it's not like the takeoff of the of like mobile phones yet. You right. know, and uh, there's still over, you know, a couple million headsets out there now in consumers' hands and we're just at the twelve month anniversary, so uh, so technically, it's actually sold more than the original iPhone did when it first came out. Hmm. But it still has a lot of these uh, obstacles that get in the way, I think, for people where, you know, it's it's price, it's kind of bulky, it has all these wires and all these things. But it's just a matter of time, right? The, the, the progression of technology is relentless. And, and all those factors that I just mentioned, the only factors really that are getting in the way of, of the most mass consumer adoption, which are price, form factor, uh, Th those things will all be what technology addresses over the coming but you're, years. But you're seeing the bigger companies that are, that are buying into... Oh, yeah, investing the, billions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where do you see this? I think you mentioned something about five years that, that because the growth <laughs> is so... Is that an overreach? I think it's probably an underreach. I, I, that's why I was, you know, I, I, yeah, I mentioned on stage like five to seven years before my wife buys her first headset. Right. Mm -hmm. but as an example, she's she's more of a casual user. She's not going to buy it necessarily to play games. She's going to buy it because uh, it's part of, you know, her daily life. And I think that maybe but I tend to be wrong. And I think we all do because our brains think about the progress of technology in terms of how fast it's going right at this moment. We'd fail to take into account the, the second order like acceleration of that even. Right. So um, I, what I know is that, as you mentioned, the biggest companies in the world are pouring billions of dollars into this right now. So they're not asking the question of if at all anymore. They're, they, they know it's just a matter of when and they're all racing to get there. 
if you don't mind, backtrack a little bit yeah. on your journey for us, because you talked about the upset, you know, moving from uh, social gaming and now into the VR space and, and really what's ahead. So tell us a little bit about the disruption and what you've experienced. So, you know, th it, for, for us in our industry, these platform changes, these, these tectonic shifts have happened uh, and they seem to be happening on a more accelerating rate. But um, but even if you look back to the I mean, what used to be. Uh, we would put games in a box mm -hmm. and then Best Buy would decide to pre-order 100,000 numbers or something, put them on the shelves, and that's how we sold games. And then this digital distribution shift happened, and now uh, you know, a lot of people are getting their games entirely digitally, so that was a major shift. Well, then free-to-play happened, and that was a major shift in how we monetize games, and, and then Facebook happened, and then mobile happened, and now virtual reality happened. Every one of these things... Mm -hmm. um, really changes our job as game developers. Uh, you know, we, we cannot think about designing games in the same way anymore. You know, if I'm making a title for somebody to sit down on their couch and play for 30 minutes, that's a fundamentally different venue than making a game for a mobile phone, mm -hmm. you know, where you're, you're, you're consuming it in these like 30 second little increments and you just can't, like some of the, the core principles around creating beloved characters and worlds and stories, those apply still but the mechanics of it are so fundamentally different. Do you have a, a personal preference when it comes to game style creation? <laughs> I, my preference is to go where the audience is getting bigger and, and specifically where the barriers are coming down between, uh, between my ability as a creator to create this entertainment and my consumers, my, my players' ability to, to enjoy it. Because, you know, even like, so we're still making games using controllers and, uh, and for systems like Xbox and other things. But if you look at that controller that comes with the Xbox, I mean, it's like got 15 buttons on it now or something like that. It's, it's pretty overwhelming to, to someone who didn't grow up manipulating this, this really complicated device that has grown, uh, get, seems like it gains a button every year or whatever. Uh, it, I, I think that just looks like a barrier that they're never going to overcome. And so I'm drawn to those places where, where those barriers are eroding instead of grow, get, getting added to. And I, you know, certainly that's the case with mobile. And, uh, you know, with mobile, you don't have a controller. You're literally just reaching out and touching the tiles and words of friends and dragging them where you want to go where, for them to be. And I saw the same opportunity when I first held a virtual reality headset. And I thought, this is the place, especially when you think forward three, four, five years, this is the place where the technology is going to literally disappear. Mm -hmm. And there will be no barrier between the stuff that I create, that we create, and our audience is enjoying that thing. Paul, awesome. I wanted to jump in here yeah. for a minute. I've been, I've been quiet because <laughs> I, I think I, I might be the only gamer at this table. Like, I, I grew up on Age of Empires. It's like one of the greatest games ever. Awesome. It's made Played right it, down the street right. from here. Played a ton, <laughs> which blows my mind. Plays a ton of Halo Wars, um, Lucky's Tale, and I can sort of have not had the opportunity, but I really want to check it out. And I know you're working on Creativerse on yes. Steam. Yes. You worked on Words with Friends. You've been all over the place. Yes. I mean, you've made a ton of different games on a ton of different venues. Moving from, from kind of different technology to different technology, like you said, an Xbox controller has 15 buttons. Age of Empires <laughs> has a ton of buttons. Yes. <laughs> and, and you're simplifying. So not only am I anxious to see where Creativeverse is headed, because yes, I can't wait too. to check that out, but <laughs> where do you see things going? Is there any way to kind of predict where things are headed? Because with this advancement of technology from PC to console to mobile to Oculus to, yep, to yep, virtual yep. reality, there's... There's no real way to predict what's next. Do you think we're going to be on virtual reality for a while, or do you think we may just jump to something else? The next I, few I years? think um, I think you're going to see this really interesting uh, sort of parallel paths develop between virtual reality and augmented reality, which isn't you, you can. There are devices out there. So Microsoft has their Hololens device. It's pretty expensive right now, yes. and it's more designed for developers to start to experiment with augmented reality. 
But augmented reality is going to explode over the next three or four years. And I think you're going to see this interesting thing where uh, virtual reality and augmented reality are currently being treated as two different platforms. Mm -hmm. But I think that they're really the same. All right. Or as I like to say, uh, virtual reality is just augmented reality with the lights turned off. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so it's, it certainly seems to be that they'll, they'll converge into a single device. But I still think the experiences that you get in virtual reality, augmented reality, and the kinds of content built for those two things are going to be fundamentally different. And the way that, that, like I mentioned earlier, and the way that, that a mobile phone game is so different than a game you would play on your couch, I think it's going to be the same thing. I think augmented reality games are going to be these... I just I think like ambient entertainment so stuff that's always around you you know you, you may just have a, a, a little game character that lives in your pocket hmm. and you just take them out when you want to play with them you put them back uh, or you know just these these things that, that are designed to be played in little bite-sized moments in in between your life virtual reality on the other hand is all about going to a place you know and losing yourself and completely teleporting like a holodeck mm -hmm. to a different place and so despite the fact that those two things will exist on the same device which is, I think, fascinating to me, the, the types of experiences you have will be fundamentally different. One of them you'll do in, in kind of an enclosed area that's safe to walk around and not run into things and, <laughs> and where your cat's not going to run between your legs and whatever <laughs> else. Uh, and those will be the virtual reality experiences that, that you can just soar and exist in a different place. And then you'll have these augmented reality experiences, which I think will be the most dominant. I mean, that's when you think about augmented reality as a platform, it's billions of customers. Yes. Which is why these companies are doing what they're doing. They see that. They, they think that's inevitable. Um, and those types of, at least in, from our case, those, those types of entertainment will be much more lightweight, I think, more casual, like, like toys. A few years ago, I got a cardboard box, and, and I printed out the plans to cut out a Google Cardboard. And I cut one out and yep. put my phone in it, <laughs> and it blew my mind. I, I was like, this is the future. I'm like, that was, this is a cardboard I box. Know, I like, can't believe <laughs> it. And now, I mean, you can go to almost a convenience store. We'll have some form, some way to put your phone in a device with a couple of lenses, and it's yep. like Google Cardboard. Augmented reality stuff being so readily available on phones through viewfinders, is that something that surprises you to see that it's so easy, it's so accessible to the public, to see kids using it? So or I, is, that, is that something that was, that was foretold? It was something that was going to happen? I think it was inevitable because the technology, as I mentioned, it doesn't, you don't look at it and necessarily think, oh, this is a place where, where the barriers are coming down. This is where it's easier to, to consume this content. But actually it is because it's just so natural. Everybody knows how to look around. Yes. You know, everybody knows how to, to use their normal physical senses. And you're not, you don't have any abstraction. You don't even have the rectangle of a TV or a phone or something else constraining that content. It's literally just all around you. Um, and I, I think that, that that's what makes it so casual that which is a weird word to use as applied to these technologies. No, but they are fundamentally the most casual technologies uh, for, for this next generation, I think. Gearbox is up in Plano, <laughs> and, and, and id is over in Frisco. Have you ever worked with any of those guys? So Gearbox, Randy Pritchard, he was part of a company called Rebel Boat Rocker when I was out here applying, and I applied with them. Really? And they didn't hire me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Randy had his chance. But, <laughs> yeah. All right. uh, but now I think Randy's doing okay, and he's got a great... Game studio there at Gearbox in uh, in Al or no in Addison. Is it is it Addison? Yeah, they, they, oh, got a, they had several hundred people and they're just they've been doing really well with some of their new franchises lately. There are several game studios that have come out of really id software and those guys that that started here in Mesquite um, that have spawned, including the studio that you were mentioning earlier, Ensemble Studios, where I got my start out here. Um, Rebel Boat Rocker, which I don't think really necessarily became Gearbox, but it's some of the same guys that are now at Gearbox. Um, and now you have 
uh, a multitude of studios that even came out of those places. You know, you have Robot and Boss Fight and um, and these different. You know, and, and Dallas has always been actually a hotbed of game developers, um, but it's a little more. You know, it was kind of more focused or. or Condensed earlier, and it, now there's there's several studios. All right, I think I'm done geeking out, guys. You no, get back no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a couple of questions. Yeah, but in regard to the fact that all these businesses that that are like that, and you say Dallas is a hotbed for that, but it seems like it's such a, a singular community that yeah. only people within the community really know about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Is, is, do you find that as a as a uh, uh, a tough thing to sell then because it is within just a community? So it's very different, especially you know recruiting and bringing folks here from. California or New York or right. these kind of other hotbeds, so to speak. But then when they come here and they and we really do try to embrace that differentness that we can get through Texas. You know, I know some a lot of businesses are in different places all around Dallas. You can get places that that in some ways feel just like they could be in California. But but I you know, when we were building a studio here, I thought, you know, since we're in Texas, I really want to fully embrace the Texas thing. And that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons we're in McKinney. And, and when you come to our studio and that we're right there on the, in the heart of that kind of old downtown area in McKinney. Uh, it's very different. You know, it's not like something you're going to find anywhere in California or New York. And, and that actually ends up being a recruiting tool, I think, for us because we, we bring people and they see that it's different and that we're unique. And, and then as, as mentioning on the panel, then they also see that they can get, you know, uh, an acre of land and a giant house for the same as their 500 square foot apartment <laughs> yeah. in, right. in San Francisco. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So I have, one, I have one other question then, and it, it was kind of interesting to me, and it kind of just made my ears perk up, but that one of your heroes is Walt Disney. Yeah. Why? why? So Walt embraced the intersection of beloved characters and brands and cutting-edge technology. Like he, you know, I, as I was mentioning on stage, it doesn't necessarily occur to us now because it's been so long <laughs> since then. Right. But what Walt was doing initially with, with his... Uh, his interest and then his embracing of motion pictures, that was a totally cutting edge technology at the time. You know, that was this crazy thing that, that was, that was, uh, you know, exploding in, in popularity, but right at the beginning of that curve. And, and Walt saw this opportunity, um, to, to take what he loved, which were these characters that he were draw, he was drawing and these, these, uh, the storytelling and use this cutting edge technology to bring it to life in a way that people had never seen before. And, when we, when I saw our opportunity, our ability to do that same thing in virtual reality, to, to put a character in front of you, and then that character looks up at you and waves at you, and like if you move your head around, he's watching you. He knows you're there. Wow. Uh, that's n unlike any other experience and connection that that you've ever had with a character before that 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 we can create. So we can we can breathe life in these characters, and then you can literally spend time with them. And I. I mentioned this uh, the other day. We, we're, it's like we're no longer making games. We're making, we're making places for people to go, and we're making characters for people to meet, but, but this, and toys for people to play with. But it's almost like game, the word doesn't even, doesn't, it's not big enough anymore. Right. Right. Is it is it a fox character? You said yeah, Lucky. He's a little okay. fox. Lucky yeah. still. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's in every copy of Oculus Rift. It I haven't is. played it yet. And I really want. To. <laughs> and Paul, just to play off of that question a little bit, is there anything you know in in current modern culture that you find inspiring as a creator? So I love to travel all the time, and I find that that actually kind of pulling myself away even from the things I love as a gamer and playing games and immersing myself in. Uh, you know, a forest or a beach or a, you know, a foreign country or what have you. Th those, that's kind of where I draw a lot of my inspiration from. Just, just actually watching 
people's hobbies and the things they do when they're enjoying themselves and when they're smiling and happy and, and, and especially when they're connecting with their family or their friends, I think that games have a power to enhance that and have a power to make that happen. And we certainly saw that when we created Boards of Friends. We have people that, that tell me that folks have come up to me and said, I would never actually talk to my aunt if it weren't for Words of Friends. I, I never was talking to her, but now we play Words of Friends and, and I feel like I, I'm always talking to her. Every day we're making moves and we're chatting and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that I'm really inspired by that and by the technology's ability to, to make that happen. And this, this stuff that we're making now uh, and this technology wave that we're currently immersed in with virtual reality and augmented reality, it's why Facebook bought Oculus. There's been never been a greater opportunity for technology to connect people than what this technologies can do. I mean, in just a handful of years, you'll be able to hang out with your friends, be there together with family, no matter where they are. Well, Paul, it's been a pleasure sitting down and talking with you, certainly engaging conversation this morning. Thank you so much for taking the time with us. Thanks a lot for having me. And it's been a really interesting, you know, conversation about AR and VR and the growing environment and space that we're seeing. And we're excited to hear more from some of these influencers here at Dallas Startup Week. We'll be back. Stick around. The Dallas Startup Week podcast will return right after this. You're listening to the official podcast of Dallas Startup Week, brought to you by the Real News Communications Network. You're listening to the official podcast of Dallas Startup Week, brought to you by the Real News Communications Network. Welcome back to the Dallas Startup Week podcast. I'm Zach Lewis. I'm Kristen Merritt. And we are sitting here with Jeanette Chivis, the founder, creative director, and stylist at chivastyles.com. Jeanette, thanks for sitting down with us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This is so exciting. This is Dallas Startup Week. Absolutely. Yes. And you just got finished with the Diversity in Fashion yes. Dallas Industry Pros React panel. So tell us a little bit about who you sat in with and uh, what topics were discussed. Well, I sat in with a designer, uh, Tiffany from Pink Lucy, and Willie Johnson, who's kind of a runway director and stylist and kind of all over fashionista influencer in Dallas and has been around a very long time, mm-hmm. uh, moderated by the Leah Frazier of Inspire and Style. Uh, so yeah, it was really exciting. We, we did we did talk a lot about you know diversity in fashion, whether it be size or color, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we kind of got real about it. We stayed real. Yeah, you know sometimes <laughs> those can be very kind of difficult yeah. conversations, but right. it, you know we kept it really real. Um, because it's important to, to keep the conversation going yeah, and, uh, and open. And so for those of, you know, those attendees that didn't get to sit in on the panel discussion and didn't get to see you today, give us a recap of your background because I know you've been featured on Good Morning Texas. You've also been a celebrity stylist, oh, wow. you know, for some stars. So I want to hear more about your personal background. So my background, I, I mean, I've done kind of everything in the fashion industry, mm-hmm. but I guess... You know, when I was in L.A., I, uh, I had a store, and uh, I started styling celebrities there. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started to do celebrity styling. And then I came to Dallas. Anyone and you can name drop? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> styled uh, Paris Hilton. Uh, we styled Kim Kardashian before she opened Dash. Wow. Um, 
uh, Amy Poehler, Ella oh, nice. um, Fisher, who is uh, Bruno, what's y- his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we had all kinds. Uh, Marsha from the Brady Bunch, Marie McCormick. Oh, wow. Was one of my really good friends and uh, our our consistent customer and uh-huh. client. So we had a lot. Kyle Richards, who was, wasn't famous when she'd come in. Uh-huh. Um, and all the Paris, uh, but mostly Paris, yeah. uh, would come in. So that's how I kind of started. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just takes that one break usually, you know. Right. but. Very exciting. Very exciting times. Kind of magical. You know, I'm curious. Most people, I feel like, that get in the fashion industry may, maybe go to school for it, and then they join, like, a firm, and, and yeah. they start working their way up. Why would you kind of splinter off and do your own thing? Because that's just how I am. <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur <laughs> at heart. I mean, Dallas Startup Week is, like, that's, the, like, my thing, because I'm yeah. all about finding your own path and creating your own business. I just don't. I can't work for anyone else. Yeah. So this isn't your first year here? Oh, no. <laughs> no. So I had my own clothing line. I've had my own boutique. Uh, with my business partner, who yeah. is very talented as well, Kelly West. And then I have Chiba Styles, which is my own. Yeah. I think what a lot of people think Dallas Startup Week, they think technology. They don't necessarily think yes. fashion. Yes. Uh-huh. And so, you know, how, how do you get over that hurdle? Or what, what can you say to those people about how fashion is part of Dallas Startup Week and a big part? Dallas has always been very strong in fashion. But now, I mean, Dallas is one of the a nation's leader in producing really strong fashion talent. You have mm-hmm. Nakon, you have Allison Mitchell Handbags, who was just featured in Vogue. You have Smith II that was just featured in Vogue. I mean, these are people that started here. I mean, we went to their fashion shows. I mean, no one knew who they were. And it, it, it's really, Dallas is very supportive of the fashion industry, but especially now with Project Runway and all of that, that they, we've had some stars come out of that. But even without that, We've had a lot of people make it and making a lot of money. That's what's important. Fashion can be a lot of smoke and mirrors, Mm -hmm. but these are people that really have true businesses with profit and loss statements and making money. Yeah. Why why do you think the Dallas fashion community is growing so much? A little bit bit of a curveball question. I know. Well, I also think, I think a Southern kind of Southern fashion sense Mm -hmm. is emerging. I think people are valuing the South. And so I think that's been a very big trend as well. But I think even just, I think Dallas is such a, a standalone city. I mean, it can compete with L.A., it can compete with New York. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's, that's why. And we have a lot of strong support here financially uh, in Dallas for people that are trying to make it. A lot of investors that like, I mean, we just have a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, but Texans were very talented. <laughs> we're very creative, okay? And you're from Texas originally. I'm, I'm a Texas girl. But mm. you you traveled outside. You went to L.A. You know, you worked. Yes. You you kind of toured the fashion scene. And then eventually you came back. Why did you come back? For chicken fried steak. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I mean, anything fried, right? Of course. Because I was eating salads. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I came back because of family. Mm-hmm. Because Texas is my home. And I just wanted to be back in Texas. I wanted to be back in here. And I really thought, what am I going to do in Dallas? What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. But you know what? I found a path. It wasn't easy. Dallas is very, uh, shall we say, clicky. Uh-huh. So yeah. it's a little tough sometimes to kind of get in with the groups. But once you, you keep, you produce and deliver, you mm-hmm. have a good product you're consistent, you're professional, and you're talented, they're going to have to recognize that eventually. What are some of the things you brought back with you from L.A.? After eight years out there, I'm sure you saw a lot of things that maybe weren't going on here. What are some of the things that you feel like really needed to be imbued in Dallas to get where it is today? Well, I think just kind of breaking up like this whole very polished Dallas perfect look. Yeah, Everything kinda. matches. Yeah. Everything goes together. You know, like you can see me, I have yellow, green, red, 
brown, blue on all at the same time. It's a great look. Thank you. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm great with the compliments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think that I brought back where I, I'm really real and down to earth. I think sometimes in the Dallas fashion industry, it was very, everything had to be perfect. Every, you know what I'm saying? Everything had to be polished and slick. And I think now Dallas has loosened up. And I think I bring that with my personality mm-hmm. and a kind of a form of bohemianism, you know, and gypsy. I'm kind of a gypsy. Yeah. You know, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Rock on. As a fashion entrepreneur in Dallas, someone who's, you know, maybe launching their own startup or trying to get their own line out, what advice would you recommend, uh, you know, specifically related to the Dallas market? If, if, they're, if they're launching a brand? Yeah. I would say you need to be here. Mm. You need to show up. You need to go to a lot of events. Mm-hmm. You need to market. You need to give away a lot of your stuff and put it on people that are going to get your your line noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, when these people come to you and they love what you're doing, you need to be able to deliver. You need to be able to make it on in the right you know amount of time for the right price and have a quality you know garment or accessory. Uh, because so many people are kind of like a flash in the pan and they don't follow it up Mm -hmm. you know you need to have the good marketing materials you know you got to invest in your business in Dallas you talked a lot about marketing materials in the panel yeah Uh, it's really important elaborate on that a little bit more and what you're seeing well I think people are like oh we need to shoot a lookbook oh we need it we need our stuff on models but they don't know they don't understand models are 185 50 187 50 an hour Mm -hmm. if you want a good model you're gonna have to pay for a good model you can't just put it on anyone Um, because that's your brand that's your marketing and to me we are constantly inundated with images, whether it's online or on TV or on our phones. That image has to be so strong now, mm-hmm. and it's so competitive for anyone to just click on it. Because we are, we're so, our eyes are so advanced and trained for things that are interesting or, oh, I've seen that before and I don't want to. And so many people try to follow and do what other people do in fashion. They don't understand. You need to be different and unique and stand out. And I know that sounds cliche, but you have to. Jeanette, recently our office got a pair of uh, Snapchat spectacles. I don't know if you know anything about them, but they're supposed to be kind of like stylish and look good. Uh huh. What do you think about the role of technology moving into the fashion industry? This being in- inundated in-, in things that people wear, accessories. Is there anything? Is there anything? Yeah, general? like Fitbits, Google Glass, things yeah. like that. Oh yeah. Well, Leah was just telling me about uh, something from Samsung that's coming out, and she's going to help launch that. You put it on the runway, mm-hmm. and people can have their, I guess, their kind of 3D or uh, virtual reality kind of glasses on at home, and mm-hmm. they can like they're sitting on the runway and really? experiencing it, oh, like like they're walking down the yes. runway. Yes. So it's that's happening. The fabrications mm-hmm. uh, that are happening right now are very advanced, uh, very tech driven Mm -hmm. you know the accessories super tech driven that's really the hottest things right now Mm -hmm. that is really the where where technology and fashion merge together that is the hotbed right now that's where you're everyone is pitching products like that right where do you see the industry going in the next few years well i just see it continuing to take off i mean because one successful designer like st louis incubator they st louis stole two of our designers really gave them full residence for over a year in St. Louis and a storefront. Huh. They're taking our designers <laughs> and then they're getting them in vogue and acting like, oh, the St. Louis designer. No, no, no. This yeah. is a Dallas designer. Right. So I feel like, you know, it's just going to continue to explode here in Dallas. And I, I think it's really exciting. Um, I do feel like that, you know, our designers shouldn't go to other places and the people claim that they're from St. Louis when they're from Dallas. <laughs> but I understand because they're giving them residence and giving them a, you know, a, a storefront. I feel like we need to do more of that. I, I want to steal the topic for a second. Go here. ahead. Uh, what can I do 
to kind of up my fashion game. I'm a dude. I struggle with it. Any websites I can go to, resources for <laughs> well, guys? Well, first of all, I think you're definitely in your color. Thanks. Like, I think you're, I love the, per- I yeah. love that periwinkle blue on you. Thanks. And it's a nice, you know, it's a nice texture. What can you do? Go to Zara. Zara. Zara is my go-to men's fashion. All right. Uh, what else is my my go-to is H and M as well. H and M, yeah, I've heard them. And before. you know what? It's not it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. Their t-shirts yeah. are five dollars. That's pretty good. I mean, it's good. You can yeah. look and you know. Have you tried those places before? You know, I'm kind of scared of them because I'm a big guy and I feel like H and M doesn't make stuff for me. Well, but they do. Yeah. They have all different sizes. Yes, right. they do. Yeah. And especially online. And so does Zara. Yeah. All right. Zara and H&M. I'll check them out. Yeah. Check them out. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeanette, before you go, uh, anything that you're looking forward to at Startup Week this week? Any uh, conversations with you know, other entrepreneurs, panels, the things that you're looking to find out to benefit your business? I just, I just want, I just love meeting people from all different kinds of industries, especially here. That's what I love because I'm always around fashion people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to me, Dallas Startup is an opportunity to not be around fashion people <laughs> and be around other people that are launching their, their brands, whether it be in technology or whatever. And they're in Dallas and they're going through some of the same things I'm going through, um, and they're needing me as much as I need them because mm. you know, let's face it, no one's successful on their own. Period. Jeanette, you give a great interview. Thanks so much Thank for taking you. the time to sit down with us. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having us. And we'll be back with more from Dallas Startup Week coming up. Don't unplug just yet. The Dallas Startup Week podcast continues next on RNCN. Five days, one podcast. This is the Dallas Startup Week podcast. Welcome back to Dallas Startup Week. I'm Kristen Marin. I'm Zach Lewis. I'm Tim Vasquez. And we are sitting in with Trey Bulls. So Trey's in charge of the Dallas Entrepreneurial Center and also you're kind of the grand poobah of sorts for Dallas Startup Week. Now I know you give credit to a lot of people, but again, you're the first and the last when it comes to this. So uh, first day impressions. I'm super excited. This has been um, exceeded all my expectations. We had a ton of people in here this morning at registration. We had, you know, standing room only for our first panel. We actually had an interesting idea for a panel this year. What we did was we brought in entrepreneurs who had recently exited or sold their companies in the last yeah, year or really. two. And so they were able to come in and really we wanted to paint the picture to start the week off where entrepreneurs want to end up. And so if you start with like, here's where you want to be and here's what you want to accomplish, we'll spend the rest of the week teaching you the things that on how and the ways on way to do that. So we started with these great entrepreneurs. We had Nathan Watkins from University Laundry. We had Chris McFarland from Master G. We have Dade Cops from Brain Space. Uh-huh. Um, we had Alexander Muse who sold three or four companies in the last few years. Oh, and, wow. And then, uh, and then Rashad Ali from... Uh, from several exits, but most recently Mavenir. And so uh, awesome guys. Follow that up with Paul Bettner from Words with Friends, who's another exited entrepreneur, sold his company to Zynga. So we really set the stage early in this week to to showcase what kind of stuff we have coming on. So it's been super exciting. It's super exciting to see you super excited. Because, I mean, (laughs) mean, you're kind of a laid-back guy, but I can feel the energy right now coming from you and and how proud of you are of the staff and how everything's been put together. I, I mean, no hiccups, nothing. First day, everything's great, but... And, and so, you know, as a volunteer and someone who's helping set up the event, I know there's always a struggle because you're trying to coordinate things. But did you get to attend, you know, any panels today? Did you get to sit in and, and get some advice for yourself? 
I did. Well, I got to sit in on the first panel because I got to introduce it. And uh, exciting to hear them talk about their experiences, the ups and downs. I think the most exciting thing about that that I always learn listening to people like that talk is that they're really no different than us sitting in the audience, mm-hmm. right? They've, they've got some more experience. They've, they've made some really bad decisions and fortunately for them, some good decisions. And so, so sitting there watching there allows me to put my, my, um, myself in their shoes and say, you know what, they weren't sitting here that too far long ago where I'm sitting. And so getting to see that is super exciting. And then obviously listening to Paul Bettner talk about what he's doing mm-hmm. uh, since Word with Friends, with Playful Corpus, new company, and, sp- and, and specifically in the world of augmented vir- reality, yeah, augmented VR, reality course, and right. uh, yeah, virtual reality, and specifically being one of the first uh, games on the Oculus Rift, which yes. sold, you know, so, so we are seeing mm-hmm. from an AR VR perspective, Dallas is becoming a major player across the country, which makes a lot of sense considering it was such a major player in gaming before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went over to the Dallas Entrepreneur Center, the deck, and saw a, a session on social good and how to build social enterprises. So I have been inundated all day with That's all great. kinds <laughs> of great advice that I've gotten to learn from. Well, Trey, you're a busy guy. This is not your first rodeo. You've done Dallas Startup Week before. I'm curious, uh, what events are you looking forward to? Well, we have some really exciting um, speakers that we've flown in from out of town tomorrow at noon. We have Patrick Lee, who co-founded Rotten Tomatoes, Ooh. coming in town. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have at 5.45 tomorrow night, Kevin Chow, who's being interviewed by uh, Andrea Huspenny, who's, Pe- who's, who's fr- the head of special projects at Entrepreneur Magazine. Kevin's interesting because about a month and a half ago, he sold his company, Kabam, for 800 million dollars wow. that wow. is as i the was dream. telling somebody before that that's is the dream big time. <laughs> that is three quarters of a unicorn right there right that is a, <laughs> that is not a bad deal and so patrick and kevin are coming in to, to get to talk about that and then obviously and i'm a little partial Wednesday night is the state of entrepreneurship. Absolutely. And we're going to be there. And uh, they're actually going to be doing the Fail, Learn, Grow event. So what can you tell us about that? I heard there's some sort of game show component. Yeah. It's exciting. I don't want to ruin all of it for the people who are coming. But there's a lot of things going on that the Fail, Learn, Grow uh, initiative was something that started a couple years ago, recognizing that, you know what, most startups or entrepreneurs have a failure at some point mm-hmm. and so recognizing that failure isn't the end it's a part of the process mm-hmm. it's a part of learning mm-hmm. it's a part of educating yourselves and so we don't want you to just fail but we want you to know it's okay to fail but when you fail then you can learn and from that learning you'll eventually be able to grow and so i'm really excited to hear some of the stories that you guys get from people who are being honest and open about their failures that they've had and if you mm-hmm. listen to some of the um, some of the exited entrepreneurs this morning, they have their own list of failures that occurred all along the way. So we've got that going on. We've got a, an exciting game we're going to play. We've got, we're going to highlight some of the launches, some of the exits, some of the wins this year that are going across the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. We've got a, a, a pretty exciting video we're going to show on the spirit of entrepreneurship. So it's, a, it's an action-packed night. You do not want to miss it at the Bomb Factory, 6.30 on Wednesday night. So lots of really cool events coming up. Can't wait to see what unfolds this week at Dallas Startup Week. And you can tune in to exclusive behind-the-scenes content caught here on the Dallas Startup Week podcast. Be sure to get us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, wherever you can find the podcast. Also visit DallasStartupWeek.com on the media site. There you can access our info as well as see uh, Facebook Live as it's happening. So streaming content is available there as well. Trey, thanks so much for sitting down with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Have a great week. Appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the Dallas Startup Week podcast.
You're listening to RNCN, the digital destination for premium talk radio. Oh.